These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and body back into harmony. You're not alone on your wellness journey. Every customer gets one-on-one support to help you meet your goals. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. A healthy gut positively impacts immunity, mental health, sleep, digestion, and skin health. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So I've been wanting to cover this topic of codependence for a while now because it's so pervasive in our modern society and relationships that we often are completely unaware of it. Yet it causes so much pain and suffering for so many of us. Now, one of the amazing things I've noticed about having kids is that my love for them has propelled me to make changes in my life in ways I may not and likely would not have done if I never became a mom. I want them to have the opportunity to live the most incredible lives they can, to not experience the emotional struggles that I have. So this is one of those really important areas where we can really do that for our kids. The other interesting thing that came to my mind this morning is that, you know, it's one thing to say that we need to be able to stay calm with our kids, that we need to be able to be the leader and help them learn how to work with their emotions and understand their emotions, and that we need to set these healthy boundaries with them, that we need to help them become responsible 
people and independent young people and confident young people. But if we don't understand why we're struggling with some of this stuff or where this stuff comes from, it doesn't really help us be better for them, to be there for them. If we can understand what's going on inside of ourselves, where some of this stuff comes from, what we're struggling with and why, this is when we can really get in there and help change our own behavior. So this is just a really, really important topic for us to get into. I've already touched on this in a few episodes, but I want to dig in deeper today so that we can wrestle with this concept a bit. Bring some awareness to any of our own codependent behaviors and start to think about where it may cause issues for us in our lives, as well as for our children, now and in the future for them, and how and to what extent we can work to break this cycle and set up healthier ways of relating for our children so they don't have to struggle with this the way that maybe we have. So I'm starting with the definition and the dynamics of codependency what it looks like in general, so that you can get an idea, especially maybe from your own childhood, what it looks like in parenting, ways we can start to work on some new habits, ways of relating to our kids so they can have this healthier, happier relationship with themselves and with others in their future, their friendships, their colleagues, their superiors, romantic relationships, or family relationships. We're probably all familiar with codependency in its initial definition, that came out in the 1950s through Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the enabler or the caretaker, the giver, taking care of the addict who's the taker. The addict needs them. And the giver gets reinforced from feeling wanted or needed by the addict. But now this has taken on a much broader definition to include any relationship of this dynamic. One person who needs to feel needed They get a sense of self, a sense of fulfillment from feeling needed. And then the taker who needs to be taken care of, who is is very needy, who didn't get their needs met growing up. And so they're looking for that in an adult relationship. So the broader, more modern definition states that codependency refers to a mental, emotional, physical, and or spiritual over-reliance on a partner, a friend, or a family member, basically something outside of themselves. So it's a circular relationship in which one person needs the other person who in turn needs to be needed. Again, the codependent person known as the giver feels worthless. So there's worthiness that comes in from this feeling needed. They feel worthless unless they're needed by the taker and they make sacrifices for, they sacrifice themselves for the taker, but they get a need met through that. So keep in mind, codependency can come in many different forms, varying levels of severity and all kinds of relationships, not just partners or parent-child. It can be romantic relationships, parent-child relationships, friendships, and even work relationships, other people at work or your boss or subordinates that can form codependent relationships. So it's really good to be aware of what this looks like so you can see it if it pops up in other relationships. So here are some signs of codependency in general and some examples of adult relationships or ways of relating. So we have some context before we apply it to the parent-child dynamic because, as we know, the parent-child dynamic is, is very unique and it does set us up in the beginning for some of these dynamics and so knowing how to balance that will be really important. So first, people-pleasing. And this comes in many forms. 
Uh, one form is avoiding conflict, meaning we avoid voicing our own needs to keep the peace. I'm not going to, I'm okay. I'm not going to talk about it because I just don't want to upset this person. I'm going to keep the peace. So my needs really aren't important. We sacrifice our own needs, our own happiness for someone else. Doing something for someone else that makes us feel uncomfortable, something we really don't want to be doing, but we do it anyway because it makes them happy. It makes them comfortable. You really don't want to rub your mom's or your partner's or your son's stinky feet, (laughs) but you do it anyway. That's codependence. You don't want to deal with the fight. You don't want to deal with the pushback or you just want your people pleasing. You want to make them happy. If you don't want to rub their stinky feet, you can say no. Doing otherwise is codependence. Number two, needing to fix people. Codependent people get affirmed from helping others. So they often attract relationships that are needy or even abusive in hopes of fixing the needy person or the abuser. Number three, feeling responsible for other people's feelings and or reactions. Now, this is a hard one for a lot of people to understand. They think, if I say something that hurts someone's feelings, aren't I responsible for that? Actually, no. And this is really nuanced and a topic that's really, really deep um, that I just, I could spend an entire hour just talking about this. Obviously, this doesn't mean we go around being callous and rude and not caring about other people's feelings or how we affect them, but we also cannot operate in a relationship where we have a sense of this responsibility for every feeling the other person has or walking on eggshells either. It's just not healthy. Now, this was my childhood to a T, and I actually described it as feeling like I had to flow like water around my mom's every nuanced emotion and mood. I felt like I literally had to read her mind so that I could avoid getting in some kind of trouble. And that is exhausting. That's an exhausting way to live. And it puts you in a state of constant arousal, meaning um, fight or flight, or for me was freeze. You're in a constant state of survival mode. And so it takes a lot of work to undo that. Number four, low self-esteem. So when self-esteem comes from outside and the need to feel needed, it's not true self-esteem because true self-esteem comes from the inside. Who am I? What am I about? What value do I bring to the world? And knowing what that is and feeling strong in that. So the codependent will latch onto others who need them to validate their worth. And then the last one is a poor concept of self. Now, a codependent person may not have all of these. You may have one or two. You may have a few. And then, um, and this is a spectrum. So the highly codependent will probably have all of these. But a poor concept of self, not knowing the self um, is at worst. Or knowing the self, but not listening to the self. And that's when the people-pleasing comes in. Like, I know I don't really want to do this, but I'm, going, I'm just not going to listen to what I need right now. And I'm going to do what other people need instead. But when we don't really know ourselves or what we want or what we're good at or what we stand for, it actually becomes easier to just ignore it, to bowl over it and put other people's needs first because what we really, we define ourselves through other people because their needs are stronger, much stronger than ours. Our sense of needs and wants have become very, very weak and very quiet. And so learning to reconnect with that is a a really big piece of, of that. So when one person compromises or loses their identity or sense of self or their needs or wants or desires in a relationship, this is when it becomes codependent. So I'm going to get more into this in a bit, but kids need us. Like they just do. They do need us. They actually need us. 
This is the nature of parenting. But kids need us to survive. They need us starting in the earliest ages for literally everything. I mean, even just to get to move across the room, to get their diaper changed, to get fed, to get anything they need. They need us. So when it comes time to start creating some balance and setting healthy boundaries, especially when we haven't come from a home with healthy relationship patterns, we're ripe for one of two scenarios. Number one, to repeat the patterns that we grew up with because that's what's comfortable or go to the complete opposite extreme, which is maybe the other side of codependency, but neither one of these is healthy and they both can create these unhealthy codependent patterns. So we might do the complete opposite that our parents did. So let's talk about why codependent relationships are so unhealthy. I mean, it's probably pretty obvious, but let's like dig into this a little bit just so we can be really clear about it. So overall, They don't allow us to show up in the world as our authentic selves. If we're either the taker or the giver, we're not showing up as our full selves. Um, As the giver, we don't or can't connect with or express our own true feelings because our feelings don't matter. Everyone else's feelings do. And a lot of times what happens is we just dull them down to the point where we really just don't even, they're in there, but it's, it's just very difficult to connect with them because we've disengaged from them for so long. We sacrifice our own needs for others. And our happiness and power then lies in the hands of other people in the way that they show that they need us or the way that they care for us if you're on the other side. So rather than our own internal knowing and strength and confidence about who we are and what we bring to the world, it sets us up for a lot of unhappiness So when I think about the things I want from my kids, and I'm willing to bet that most other parents do too, I never want my kids to compromise themselves, sacrifice themselves for another person. I never want them to have to rely on a source outside of themselves for happiness or fulfillment. I want them to have full control over their own happiness and their own fulfillment and to be able to take that control and know what that means and what that feels like and live in that place. I want them to feel and experience being empowered and self-confident. So it's a really big goal of mine to set them up to live a life as free from the shackles of codependence as possible. So now I'm going to give some examples of what codependency looks like in a parent-child relationship on both sides, whether the taker or the giver. And then I'll talk about what parents can do, actually through each of these, to set up healthier patterns of relating so they can help children begin to break the patterns of codependence. So first, let's I just want to talk about the two sides really quickly. The needed person, the person who gives everything, or the enabler, the giver. I haven't talked about this yet, but the reason they're called the enabler is that they keep feeding the needy person in the relationship. They enable the needing behavior because it, in an unhealthy way, it meets the needs to, for both people. So long as they keep doing this for the needy person, they will likely never take the opportunity to grow, meaning the person who's needy. If they keep getting all their needs met, they're never going to step up and grow. They're never going to become more independent. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the child in the role of taker because this is the most natural and common because, as I mentioned already, this is the dynamic of parent-child. We care for and give to our children starting in infancy. They're relying on us for everything. So this gets established naturally very early. So learning how to slowly step out of this role 
doesn't come easily or naturally, especially if, like I said, we've grown up in codependent households. And I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but the the latest statistics are saying that 90 to 95% of people are codependent or exhibit some level of codependent behavior. So this is so common in our society. So moving from this super dependent to independent or interdependent relationship just doesn't come naturally for most of us. So there's six patterns of behavior that can be due to codependence. Now, these patterns of behavior can happen without codependence being the cause. And I'm going to break that down in each of these because the reason does matter. It helps us change our behavior if we understand why underneath. So I'm going to talk about how you can tell if it's codependent behavior versus just other reasons. So I'm going to get to these patterns of behavior, the reasons behind them, and things you can do to start changing these cycles of behavior right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple. Make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy-to-digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about BiHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. 
Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to get into these six different behaviors that can be due to codependence, how you can tell the reasons behind them if they're due to codependence or not, and then some things you can do to start breaking these cycles so that you can help your children grow into confident, healthy, independent adults. So regardless of the reasons though, the behaviors are still things you'll wanna be aware of and work on making the necessary adjustments to help your child grow into a confident, independent adult. And again, you wanna look at these in a, may not just be your relationship as the parent to your child, you're probably gonna notice some patterns of these from you as the child to to how you were parented and bring some light to that. If you haven't pinpointed or explored that, sometimes it's really eye-opening and really helpful. So the first way I often see codependence showing up in parenting is doing for the child what they're capable of doing for themselves. Now, I'm not talking about getting a glass of water. When your child asks you because you happen to be getting one for yourself, you're already up, you're getting it. Um, But when it becomes a pattern of continually overdoing for the child when they're capable of doing it for themselves, continuing to dress them, um, continuing to pack their lunch, even when they're like 10, 11, 12 years old, continuing to just overdo for them, the act of overdoing like I said, in and of itself is not codependent. Um, It's the reason behind it that makes it codependent or not. If it's done for the reason of feeling needed and wanted, so you want to do things for your child because it makes you feel good, because it makes you feel needed and wanted, this stems out of codependence. So when this is the case, this is where we want to take a deeper dive into the patterns, work on the feelings beneath it, working on figuring out how to find worthiness outside of this dynamic. I mean, it's wonderful to be a parent. We love our kids. Of course, we want to help them, but we want to feel worthy in and of ourselves so that we aren't feeling worthy by, I can help my child. I can get them these things, especially when they're able to do it themselves. So I have a really good example of this. So when I used to work as a therapist, I was counseling with a mom who was fed up with her college boys leaving their dirty laundry on the bedroom floors, and she continually asked them to put it in the hamper instead, but they continued to ignore her request. Now, these were really um, accomplished boys. They had um, gotten sports scholarships to a really good private um, high school and then also gotten into a very um, high-end Uh, college as well through their sports and obviously had really good grades as well. So they were very accomplished, but there was a lot of codependency in this family. And I said, well, what happens if you just don't do it? Meaning don't go in and take their laundry off the floor. What if you just do the laundry and it just sits there and shocked? She looked at me and she said, I can do that. And I said, well, honestly, they should be doing their own laundry and should have been for a while. But Asking to have it in the hamper, I would say, is the minimum. So yes, of course you can. And then she sheepishly admitted to me, but I like doing their laundry. It makes me feel needed. And right there, we got to the crux of the issue. So when we do things for our kids because we need to feel needed, it becomes about us as the parent's codependent need. So that's what she and I actually worked on in her future sessions. The other thing I wanted to say about this is it's a pattern of behavior. So, you know, she asks them to put it in the hamper, but if they don't put it in the hamper, there's absolutely no negative consequence for that. So, of course, they're just going to continue to ignore her. Like, if they don't have to pick it up and put it in the hamper, they're not going to because they know she's still going to go in and pick it up for them. So it's setting up a real pattern of behavior. 
Now, sometimes it's a pattern we set up because it's just easier in the short term to do it for our child rather than to teach them to do it for themselves. We're just, we're busy, we're tired, we just want to get it done. And so that's another common reason. That's not codependence. That's just thinking in the short term versus the long term. So in the long term, it's easier for all of us, for them and for us, to teach them how to do it so that we don't have to keep doing it for them. But regardless of the reason, the outcome is still an over-functioning parent and an under-functioning child. And this runs the gamut from morning routines like packing lunches, way past when kids are capable. What we really want to do is just make sure that we're helping our children build these basic skills, basic life skills, and having them take these on as they grow, starting with around age two, all the way up through um, all the way up through 17, 18. So basically want to keep in mind anything a child is capable of attempting, we should let them try it and then guide them through it until they're fully efficient. So um, I have two classes I recommend. One is raising responsible kids because it covers all the tasks and skills kids are ready to handle. Starting at age three, they should be cleaning up after themselves, dressing and undressing on their own. And it goes all the way up through age 17 to 18, where they should, among pretty much every life skill, be ready to go. Things like having a basic understanding of finances, how to pay a bill, how to create a budget and live with it, understanding their credit cards and compound interest, making doctor's appointments, um, working, knowing what they have to do for car maintenance, and so much more. So also, the class on overindulgence talks about this concept as well. It's known as relational overindulgence, overdoing for the child. It talks about all the ways it shows up and then the detriments to that. Okay, so the next way that codependence shows up in parenting is the people-pleasing tendencies. It can show up as having a difficult time enforcing boundaries, being afraid to upset the child. Now, not following through on a boundary because you're tired, while this still sets up some bad patterns, this is not codependence. If you're like, I just want to go to bed and I just want to get through dinner or whatever it is and you're just tired, that's not codependence. That's a different reason. Um, It's just a tired parent not wanting to deal with the struggle right now. But when a parent doesn't set a boundary or sets one but doesn't stick with it because they don't want to be the bad guy, that's codependence. In either scenario, it does set up some unhealthy relationship patterns. Now, I do want to say if it happens a few times, it happens every now and again, we all have those nights where we're tired, that's not a pattern. But when we set up a pattern where day in and day out for weeks and months at a time, this is setting up a pattern. So, but it is important to differentiate the reason because when the reasoning is a codependent pattern, it's really important to address address what's going on underneath. If it's just because you're a tired parent, then it's like, okay, I know I'm just going to have to dig in and, you know, and start following through. Um, But if you find you're backing down from boundaries, whether it's asking your child to do something and they don't, and you just let it go, or go to pleading and bribing, or they push for something and you say no, but then you back down and give in because you want your child to be happy, or you have fears that they won't love you if you set solid boundaries and stick with them, then this is a codependent pattern. It's people-pleasing. And this is a tough one to break. Children are super smart, and they can hone in on these patterns and weaknesses. So if you're a people-pleaser, they pick up on it really early on, You know, our own psychology is really amazing how we can pick up on other people's patterns. I mean, you see it with people getting into relationships. They just seem to, you know, recognize each other. Codependent people will recognize each other 
um, or just across the room and there's just some kind of a draw. So our psychology is kind of set up this way. If you're a people pleaser, they will pick up on it early on and they will use it to their advantage. And this is all subconscious. They're not doing this consciously, but this is the way our psychology works. The way that we connect with other people, the way that we feed off of other people, our children will feed off of us. So if they see that, they will um, subconsciously hone in on it and they will fulfill that other role. So let's just say you decide, okay, I'm gonna get better at this boundary thing. I know it's the best thing for them. And you go and you set a boundary. Your child pushes back and you firmly keep the boundary. No, honey, we're done watching TV for the night. It needs to stay off. And this is when they start to push back because they have gotten their way in the past. They're going to really push back and they're going to pull out the manipulation tactics. Again, this is subconscious because they're just trying to test and get their way. But this is where we can change the patterns. And then the child might say something like, you're so mean, or why are you being so mean? Or why don't you love me? Or the hard one that a lot of parents really struggle with when the child says, I hate you. For the codependent parent, this is really hard to hear. Um, and when kids say these things, they don't mean it. Just that's the first thing is to know they don't mean it. It's a test and it's understanding what the holes are, where the weakness is. They're going to try to go for it. They don't really hate us. They're just upset. I hear that you're really upset with me right now. I know you'd like to watch some more TV, but we're going to keep it turned off for the rest of the night. And so you're connecting with their feelings. You're not taking it personally. But this is, uh, like I said, this is a hard one. So for, for some parents to hear that and be able to accept that and, and um, set that boundary and move through. So depending how entrenched this pattern has become, it may take some deeper commitment to the process, including some therapy to learn to be okay with hearing this, holding the boundary with love and firmness. So I had a feeling this might happen. This episode is already getting a little bit long and I've only covered one of the signs and the behaviors, the way codependency shows up in parenting. And I have five more and I want to make sure I cover them to the depth that they deserve and to be the most help. So I'm going to cover the rest of those in the next episode. In the meantime, if you're practicing positive parenting, this does cut down a lot of these codependent patterns. When we are parenting with firmness but kindness, when we're setting boundaries, when we're allowing emotions but not allowing our children to push over our boundaries, that is going to take care of a lot of this pause. Of, I'm sorry, this is going to take care of a lot of the issues around codependence or the patterns that will show up around codependence. So that is one of the areas and one of the foundations. So if you're practicing that already, you're already getting a good foundation for that. If you're not sure, if you need some um, more guidance with that, of course, the uh, classes are on the website at your villageonline.com. All of the classes cover the positive discipline techniques, discipline tools for toddlers, preschoolers, elementary age, ages that's five to 10, and the tweens and teens, allowing them to grow into their independent selves, giving them room for that, but also um, setting really healthy boundaries. The other classes on helping your child with aggression and anger, power struggles, getting kids to listen, all of that is going to build a really strong foundation for having um, very solid, healthy child relationships so they can grow up and have healthy adult relationships as well. So I know this is a really deep topic. So if this uncovered anything for you that you'd like to share, ask some deeper questions about, please send us an email because this is the kind of stuff I find really important, not just in parenting and breaking cycles for our kids, but even for our own growth too. And you can send us an email at podcast at yourvillageonline.com.
Also, you can follow me for parenting tips on Instagram at Your Village Online or on Facebook. Thanks for listening and see you next week.